0: The text for the sermon this day is taken from the, the Gospel of John, which was read earlier, specifically these words. Simon son, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? This is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Resist trying to play Fortnite on there. So. Huh. Yes, he, he grabs it. Anyways. <laughs> so, in that text, to consider what Peter was asked, one has to be mindful of the events that led up to it. Peter was asked the question. Peter was the one, when he was asked, are you one of these disciples? You were one of his followers. Peter did not just say that he was a new follower, he said that he did not even know who Jesus was. He had no idea who the man was. Even though Peter had no threat, he was no danger. The first person he denied to was a servant girl. In first century Jerusalem, servant girls had very little authority, actually none. He could have told it to her, she could have gone and told somebody, and they would have done nothing about it, because she had no credibility in their culture. Not fair, but that's the way it was. But the other thing is, is that we also have the detail that the Apostle John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, he was there in the cra- he was right there in the trial, and everybody knew he was an apostle. And he was standing there, and he was watching the whole thing. They did nothing to him, which meant Peter had no danger. And so you imagine when Jesus was risen from the dead, he was so overjoyous that it had happened. But in the back of his mind was the fact that he denied that he even knew who Jesus was. I mean, just think about how that would have felt if you heard one of your closest friends say, they don't know you. And not because they couldn't hear. They literally heard. They They said, they don't know you. And so... In today's reading, Peter is asked the question three times, Do you love me? And it began with this question, Do you love me more than these? These, in this case, is referring to the fish. The fish represents, it speaks to, well, his breakfast, speaks to his career, speaks to his hobbies, He's asking, do you love me more than these? And in a little bit, you are really going to be asked a very similar question. And if any of you have ever been confirmed in the faith, you were all asked a very similar question. Or one day you will be asked a similar question. So if you want to, you can share hymnals, I guess, but you can open up your hymnal to page 272. This is the order of confirmation which you might as well have to open anyways. And so the very first question that is asked, do you this day in the presence of God and of this congregation acknowledge the gifts that God gave you in your baptism? So that means when in a little bit we ask you all those questions, this is a reminder that you are answering this in the presence of the congregation and of God. So you are making a vow before God and the congregation. Now the next three questions, pretty easy. But then it comes, do you believe in God the Father Almighty? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord? And do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Each time you you say words of the creed. So why we begin there is because if a person does not believe... That God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, does not confess the Trinity, does not believe that Jesus is both man and God, anyone who does not confess the creed is not a Christian. So that is why it is the very first thing. If that very same creed, you could go to any of the churches in this town and they would confess the same creed. Because that is ultimately the the uniting thing that makes us Christian. But then the question will be asked, do you hold all prophetic and apostolic scriptures? Prophetic, that's the Old Testament. The prophets wrote the Old Testament. The apostolic, that's the New Testament, because it was written by the apostles. Do you hold all the prophetic and apostolic scriptures to be the inspired word of God? Now note, we are not asking, do you believe it contains the word of God? We are asking, do you believe it to be? It's a very important distinction. Because there are churches nowadays that will say that the Bible contains God's word. Not that it is God's word. The key difference? my My fridge at the moment contains root beer. That does not mean everything in my fridge is root beer. So also when you say that the Bible contains God's word, you are saying that not all of the Bible is God's word. And by the way, who decides? If if we are the ones deciding which is God's word and which isn't, we are actually making ourselves into God. Then again, asked, do you confess the doctrine of the evangelical Lutheran Church drawn from the scriptures as you have learned to know it from the small catechism to be faithful and true? So you know that memory work you have to do, you had to do, and actually, this was actually generally a pretty good class, by the way. The guys got a lot of perfect scores. Some weeks, not so much, but but, anyways, we made you memorize that because. When we ask you if you confess this, it would be really fair if we asked you to confess something that you've never read, that you've never seen. So you're familiar with it. So when you are asked that question, you're being asked, do you believe that the Ten Commandments is an outline for how we are to live as human beings, specifically as Christians? So for example, take the Third Commandment. The Third Commandment is, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. How does every one of the commandment meanings begin? What's the words? We should fear and love God so that. So we understand that we cannot obey God's law apart from faith. So it is by faith that obedience to God's law comes. But we also but we confess in there that we are promising to hear the word. That's what the command is. We, are to re- we hear the word... We, co- we attend services, we, and when we hear the word, we don't just go home and act like we never heard it. We're supposed to actually carry God's word into our lives, it's supposed to affect us. That is what we are confessing. And we're confessing that we'll take time for prayer and scripture at our homes. In case you don't know, in our day, we have so much access to the Bible. I'm using an iPad. How many of you, I'm guessing, many of you could put it on your cell phone. <laughs> Realize that there, it wasn't that long ago you couldn't do that. We have incredible access to the Bible. There is absolutely no good excuse for us to not read it. So that's also what it means. We spend time in it. It also means you go to Bible class. So when you get, when you're actually already, you could be going to high school Bible class because we allow eighth graders. So you. Trivia question, when are, so right now, this is confirmation. Every day before this, when you went to class, that was not confirmation. This is confirmation. When you went to class, that is called catechesis. Which, by the way, for our kids that go to cross explorations, that's also catechesis. Christian instruction. Can anybody guess when you no longer have to do Christian instruction? When you have your funeral, then you're off the hook. So, up until then, you're supposed to be in God's Word. So that's why we have Bible classes. For our high school, for every age, we have opportunities to be in God's Word. Because our sermons, unless we start doing 60-minute sermons, which, believe it or not, I know a church that got rid of Bible study because nobody was coming and he did 60-minute sermons instead. So the reason we don't have those long sermons is so you could go to Bible class and dig into God's Word and be familiar with it. So that's the third commandment, but connected is the first commandment, which is, you shall have no other God before me. Now think about whatever it is, whatever reason you decide not to attend a Bible class, Whatever reason you decide not to attend worship, whatever reason you decide not to have a daily prayer or daily devotion, that is your God. You'll find your false idol. And by the way, every single person in this sanctuary is guilty, including me. All of us, we could find our idols. What is the thing that makes us skip it? So that's the thing that we learned in the first, the chief part. What's the second chief part? So the first one's commandments. Yeah, I'm giving you impromptu questions. What's the second chief part? The Creed. So in the Apostles' Creed, when you confess that you are, again, when you say you abide by the small catechism, you are confessing that you believe that when you say that God is the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, you are saying that he created everything in existence. You are confessing that we did not evolve from a single-cell organism. Which, by the way, if you believe in evolution, it creates a very big problem theologically. Because then death is no longer a tragedy. You should never cry for a funeral if evolution is true. But, because, but if you hold to the scriptural viewpoint, death is a consequence of sin. So, yes, it is a very big distinction. But you are confessing that. You are confessing in the second article that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. You are confessing that you could not keep the Ten Commandments, that there is no obedience that we could ever achieve, and that Jesus purchased and won you not with silver or gold, but with his holy, innocent suffering and death. By his blood you were purchased to be his child and heir. You are confessing the Holy Spirit, who gives you faith. You cannot believe in Christ unless the Holy Spirit enables you. This is why we, don't say, we do not tell you you have to accept Jesus to be saved. Because if that was the command no one would be saved because scripture says that by our sinful nature we are in rebellion to god if god said come come to me we would say nope i'm going the other way we'll run we'll go away from christ instead it's not that christ, we have to accept christ rather that christ accepts you he does the choosing not us he Through the Holy Spirit, He chooses us to be His children. And then you could, we confess that the Lord's Prayer is a, is a model for prayer as to how we are to pray. We confess also that in baptism, baptism is appropriate for adults, from, for anyone from a day old to 99 years old or 100 years old. Anyone could be baptized. And the reason is, is again, we are born dead in our trespasses. And the only way we can be redeemed is by God coming down and choosing us. And you know what? When you were baptized, especially if you were baptized as as an infant, you did not walk up there. Your parents had to carry you. You were baptized. You received it before you could even say a word. God chose you to be his children. Which, by the way, do you know why this is called confirmation? Because you are confirming the faith you first received when you're baptized. It's all about baptism. You confess that in the Lord's Supper, which you are about to receive in a little bit for the very first time, when you receive the bread, that is the body of Jesus. When you receive the wine, that is the blood of Jesus. And when you receive it, every last one of your sins are forgiven which is why the next question do you intend to hear the word of God and receive the Lord's Supper faithfully you've heard me talk about this a few times one of the great griefs that every pastor goes through is a reality that here confirmation the first time you are going to you will get a taste of heaven and the greatest tragedy is we know that sometimes that's the last time they receive it. This you are receiving the greatest gift you have ever received in your life other than well along with baptism. You are literally tasting Jesus. You're receiving Jesus. You are receiving forgiveness. Tell me is everyday in school just totally awesome? No. Okay. I'm going to let you in a seat when you get older. You're just still going to have a lot of cruddy days. That is By that gift from God, he strengthens you to walk through this very difficult world. You are promising to continue in that. That's why we were so big you had to do sermon reports. It's because we are making sure you're in church, hearing God's word, getting ready to regularly receive his supper. Again, then it comes to do you intend to live according to the word of God and in faith, word, and deed to remain true to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even to death? So this comes to why should you be in the word regularly? As a pastor, I make a lot of shut-in visits. And one of the things that's so incredibly empowering is when you visit somebody who has Alzheimer's, or some form of dimension, where they are not totally aware of anything, almost anything, or sometimes they'll go kind of in a repeat, where they'll say something, they'll start all over again, like we just talked about this. But the thing is, the most amazing thing, is, you go through the liturgy of communion, they know every single word you say. Because they were in the church, hearing God's word regularly. They memorized it. And so they could still cling to God's promises, even in those times when they can't even recognize their own family. They still see and hear their Heavenly Father. (coughs) And this is where the question comes. The same question Peter was asked. Do you love me more than these? Do you intend to continue steadfast? in this confession and church, and to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it. Did you catch how tall that order was? To suffer even death, rather than fall from it. So in other words, the question is, do you love Jesus, do you love your Lord, more than your education, more than any of your extracurriculars, more than a job, more than money, more than video games. I'll throw that in because some of us get addicted. Trust me, I got addicted to college many times a few times. World of Warcraft, that was an addicted game. But anyways. <laughs> but do you love Jesus more than that? Do you love Jesus more than your wealth? Do you love Jesus? more than even your friends more than even your family more than even your own life when peter heard the question for him that had become incredibly important because many of the disciples were put to death by family members by friends they're given the choice but between either living and denying christ or being executed and acknowledging Christ as Lord and risen from the dead in our world you may not in the United States you're not likely to experience that but nonetheless you're gonna have points to say okay Jesus it's me confessing Christ may alienate me from a friend from a family member from anything something going on in school there's All these ways that in our world, that is by its core, opposed to Christ, your faith will be challenged. And you are being asked to confess that you will stand tall, no matter what the challenge. Even in the event that we became a country where that could be your cost, your life. Not expecting that in the United States, but it could. And some people, if you paid attention to the news, a couple couple weeks ago in Sri Lanka at Easter, they did die. 300 of them. So that is what you are going to confess. And anyone that has ever been confirmed, that is what you confessed before the congregation and before God himself. And those of you who are still going through confirmation, this is what you will confess. But you see the thing, if you went through, as I went through this, did you notice? If any of us are honest, none of us are keeping this one. Which is why every time, the last few questions, your answer is, I do by the grace of God. Because it's an acknowledgement that you can't do any of this. Unless Christ, unless the grace of God enables you. So just as Peter, who failed when he was questioned whether or not he was a disciple, Peter came back and he was restored by Jesus. He was forgiven. So also, every time that we fail, every time when we fail to live up to that confession, we come again and again and again to our Lord. And again and again, he says, Peace be with you. Your sins are forgiven. Come." It is only by the grace of God, by the grace that is received in his word and received in his sacrament. That's why you come to church on Sunday, to receive his word, to receive his sacrament, that he may give you forgiveness, life, grace, and mercy, that you may be steadfast, even unto death. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith, the life everlasting. Amen.